Volume One, Chapter Two of Helen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tara Mendoza. Helen by Maria Edgeworth. Volume One, Chapter Two. Some time after this, Mr. Collingwood, rising from the breakfast table, threw down the day's paper, saying there was nothing in it. Mrs. Collingwood, glancing her eye over it, exclaimed, "'Do you call this nothing? Helen, hear this. Marriage in high life, at the Ambassador's Chapel, Paris on the sixteenth instant. General Clarendon to Lady Cecilia Davenant, only daughter of Earl and Countess Davenant.' "'Married! Absolutely married!' exclaimed Helen. "'I knew it was to be, but so soon I did not expect.' ambassador's chapel where did you say paris no that must be a mistake they are all at florence settled there i thought their letters said mrs collingwood pointed to the paragraph and helen saw it was certainly paris there could be no mistake here was a full account of the marriage and a list of all the fashionable who attended the fair bride to the hymeneal altar her father gave her away then certainly it is so said helen and she came to the joyful conclusion that they must all be on their way home. Dear Lady Davenant, coming to Cecilhurst again. Lady Cecilia, the fair bride, had been Helen's most intimate friend. They had been when children much together, for the deanery was so close to Cecilhurst that the shrubbery opened into the park. But is it not rather extraordinary, my dear Helen, said Mrs. Collingwood, that you should see this account of your dear lady cecilia's marriage in the public papers only without having heard of it from any of your friends themselves not one letter not one line from any of them a cloud came over helen's face but it passed quickly and she was sure they had written something had delayed their letters she was certain lady davenant or lady cecilia had written or if they had not it was because they could not possibly in such a hurry such agitation as they must have been in at all events whether they had written or not she was certain they could not mean anything unkind she could not change her opinion of her friend for a letter more or less indeed said mrs collingwood how long is it since you have seen them about two years just two years it is since i parted from them at florence and you have corresponded with lady cecilia constantly ever since asked mrs collingwood not constantly not constantly oh said mrs collingwood in a prolonged and somewhat sarcastic tone not constantly so much the better said her husband a constant correspondence is always a great burden and moreover sometimes a great evil between young ladies especially i hate the sight of ladies long cross-barred letters helen said that lady cecilia's letters were never cross-barred always short and far between "'You seem wonderfully fond of Lady Cecilia,' said Mrs. Collingwood. "'Not wonderfully,' replied Helen, "'but very fond, and no wonder. We were bred up together. And,' she continued, after a little pause, "'and if Lady Cecilia had not been so generous as she is, she might have been—she must have been jealous of the partiality, the fondness which her mother always showed me. But was not Lady Davenant's heart large enough to hold too? asked Mrs. Collingwood. Was not she fond of her daughter? Yes, as far as she knew her, 
but she did not know Lady Cecilia. "'Not know her own daughter?' Mr. and Mrs. Collingwood both at once exclaimed. "'How could that possibly be?' "'Very easily,' Helen said, "'because she saw so little of her.' "'Was not Lady Cecilia educated at home?' "'Yes, but still Lady Cecilia, when a child, was all day long with her governess, and at Cecilhurst the governess's apartments were quite out of the way.' in one of the wings at the end of a long corridor, with a separate staircase. She might as well have been in another house. "'Bad arrangement,' said Mr. Collingwood, speaking to himself as he stood on the hearth. "'Bad arrangement which separates mother and daughter.' "'At that time,' continued Helen, "'there was always a great deal of company at Cecilhurst. Lord Davenant was one of the ministers then, I believe.' I know he saw a great many political people, and Lady Davenant was forced to be always with them talking. Talking, yes, yes, said Mr. Collingwood. I understand it all. Lady Davenant is a great politician, and a female politician with her head full of the affairs of Europe cannot have time to think of the affairs of their families. What is the matter, my dear Helen? said Mrs. Collingwood, taking her hand. Helen had tears in her eyes, and she looked unhappy. "'I have done very wrong,' said she. "'I have said something that has given you a bad, a false opinion of one for whom I have the greatest admiration and love, of Lady Davenant. I am excessively sorry. I have done very wrong.' "'Not in the least, my dear child. You told us nothing but what everybody knows. That she is a great politician. You told us no more.' "'But I should have told you more, and what nobody knows better than I do,' cried Helen that Lady Davenant is a great deal more and a great deal better than a politician. I was too young to judge, you may think, but young as I was, I could see and feel, and the children can and do often see a great deal into character, and I assure you Lady Davenant's is a sort of deep, high character that you would admire. Mrs. Collingwood observed with surprise that Helen spoke of her with even more enthusiasm than of her dear Lady Cecilia. "'Yes, because she is a person more likely to excite enthusiasm.' "'You do not feel afraid of her, then?' "'I do not say that,' replied Helen. "'Yet it was not fear exactly. It was more a sort of awe. But still I liked it. It is so delightful to have something to look up to. I love Lady Davenant all the better, even for that awe I felt of her.' "'And I like you all the better for everything you feel, think, and say about your friends.' cried Mrs. Collingwood. But let us see what they will do. Then when I see whether they can write, and what they write to you, I will tell you more of my mind. If any letters come. If, Helen repeated, but would say no more, and there it rested, or at least stopped, by common consent, the subject was not referred to for several days. Every morning at post-time Helen's colour rose with expectation, and then faded with disappointment. Still with the same confiding look she said, I am sure it is not their fault. Time will show, said Mrs. Collingwood, at length one morning when she came down to breakfast. Triumph, my dear Helen, cried Mrs. Collingwood, holding up two large letters, all scribbled over with, Try this place and try that. Miss sent to Cross Keys, Overmore, and heaven knows where, and no matter. Helen seized the packets and tore them open. One was from Paris, written immediately after the news of Dean Stanley's death, it contained two letters, one from Lady Davenant, the other from Lady Cecilia, 
"'Written, only think,' cried she, "'how kind! The very day before her marriage, signed Cecilia Davenant, for the last time, and Lady Davenant, too, to think of me and all their happiness.' She opened the other letters written since their arrival in England. She read eagerly on, then stopped, and her looks changed. "'Lady Davenant is not coming to Cecilhurst. Lord Davenant is to be sent ambassador to Petersburg, and Lady Davenant will go along with him.' oh there is an end of everything i shall never see her again stay she is to be first with lady cecilia at clarendon park wherever that is for some time she does not know how long she hopes to see me there oh how kind how delightful helen put lady davenant's letter proudly into mrs collingwood's hand and eagerly opened lady cecilia's so like herself so like cecilia cried she mrs collingwood read and acknowledged that nothing could be kinder, for here was an invitation, not vague or general, but particular and pressing as heart could wish or heart could make it. "'We shall be at Clarendon Park on Thursday, and shall expect you, dearest Helen, on Monday. Just time,' the general says, for an answer. So write, and say where horses shall meet you, etc., etc. "'Upon my word, this is being in earnest, when it comes to horses meeting.' cried Mr. Collingwood. Of course she will go directly. Helen was in great agitation. Right, right, my dear, directly, said Mrs. Collingwood, for the postboy waits. And before she had written many lines, the cross postboy sent up word that he could wait no longer. Helen wrote that she scarcely knew what, but in short an acceptance, signed, sealed, delivered, and then she took her breath. Off cantered the boy with the letters bagged, and scarcely was he out of sight, when Helen saw under the table the cover of the packet, in which were some lines that had not yet been read. They were in Lady Cecilia's handwriting, a postscript. "'I forgot, dear Helen, the thing that is most essential. You remember our friend Dumont's definition of une boutise, c'est oublier la chose essentielle. I forgot to tell you that the general declares he will not hear of a mere visit from you.' He bids me tell you that it must be till death or marriage. So, my dear friend, you must make up your mind, in short, to live with us till you find a General Clarendon of your own. To this postscript no reply. Silence gives consent. If I had seen this, said Helen, as she laid it before Mr. and Mrs. Collingwood, I ought to have answered. But indeed I never saw it. She sprang forward instantly to ring the bell, exclaiming, It is time yet to stop the boy. Silence gives consent. I must write. I cannot leave you, my dear friends, in this way. I did not see that postscript. Believe me, I did not. They believed her. They thanked her. But they would not let her ring the bell. They said she had better not bind herself in any way either to themselves or to Lady Cecilia. Except of the present invitation she must. She must go to see her friend on her marriage. She must take leave of her dear Lady Davenant before her departure. "'They are older friends than we are,' said Mr. Collingwood. "'They have the first claim upon you. But let us think of it as only a visit for now, as to a residence for life that you can best judge of for yourself after you've been some time at Clarendon Park. If you do not like to remain there, you know how gladly we shall welcome you here again, my child. Or, if you decide to live with those you have known so long and loved so much, we cannot be offended at your choice.' This generous kindness, this freedom from jealous susceptibility, touched Helen's heart, and increased her agitation. 
she could not bear the thought of either the reality or appearance of neglecting these kind good people the moment she had other prospects and frequently in all the hurry of her preparations she repeated it will only be a visit at clarendon park i will return to you i shall write to you my dear mrs collingwood at all events constantly when mr collingwood gave her his parting blessing he reminded her of his warning about her fortune mrs collingwood reminded her of her promise to write the carriage drove from the door helen's heart was full of the friends she was leaving but by degrees the agitation of the parting subsided her tears ceased her heart grew lighter and the hopes of seeing her friends at clarendon park arose bright in her mind and her thoughts all turned upon cecilia and lady davenant end of volume one chapter two recording by tara mendoza phoenix arizona september two thousand eleven